Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we enter into your holy presence, leaving behind the cares of the world or bringing them with us. But as we enter this time of listening to your word, may the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So the first time I went to Perkins was actually back in 1984. I went for a series of classes that are prepare people to do Christian education in the life of the church. It was there that I met uh, a man that I have I grew very fond of over the four years of meeting with him, and his name was Dick Murray. Dick um, is no longer with us, but he was a man that was um, bigger in personality than even his own size. And so one of the things that I got from Dick was this, this term for opening my prayers, Creator God. Creator God, I found that so interesting, and so I began to try it on for size in my own life, and pretty soon it stuck. Pretty soon it began to, to kind of shape what I understood about God, about this creating God, this ongoing creating God. And in seminary, I learned to use some other metaphors for God. Some of them came from our Bible. Many of us have used them as well. King, light, ruler of the world, father, shepherd. And one on Mother's Day that I like to pull out and dust off is found in Matthew 13, and, I'm sorry, Matthew 23 and Luke 13. It's when Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. And he says these words. He says, how often I desire to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. So, God the hen, the mother hen. Some I learned from the parables. We learned that God is a property owner. We learn also that God is a homeless person. Some of these metaphors as we look throughout scripture are much more nuanced. I read about a comedian. I read about a sleeper, a dog a beekeeper, and an FFA livestock judge. Really? Check it out. Isaiah 7, go read it for yourself. God is an FFA livestock judge. There are many ways to represent God in Scripture, many metaphors, but the temptation like this this creator God that I used for so long in my life is to allow these metaphors to begin to limit how we understand God if we don't use them across all metaphors. They begin to resonate with us and then we kind of get stuck in this rut. They can limit our understanding of who God is. The ancients saw these variety of metaphors for God as, as the way in which God is with us. Mother hen, comedian, even FFA, livestock judge. God metaphors are important in all kinds of other ways. Scientists tell us that one who views God, the way God, uh, one views God is helpful in healing process. 
So for instance, if we see God as judgmental and distant, it is more counterproductive than if we see God as compassionate and loving in our healing process. And then scientists have also studied the way we value our own uh, society and people around us depends upon the way we sometimes understand God. Is God a property owner? Or is God the homeless person that lives among us? There are spiritual uh, implications as well. How does our image of God draw us into worship? Do we see God as the bearer of the image in which we should grow into? Is this the, the one that we should come in, um, in, in forth in prayer, in reverence? Metaphorical images of God have a, an invitation. They're invitational, but they also can be caution. They help us discover, but they also can give us inadequate descriptions of who God is. It tends to box God in. So as we continue our worship series uh, after Easter called Living the Resurrection, we are exploring many of the ways that, God, that Jesus refers to God metaphorically. Last week, I am the vine, you are the branches. This week, God and Jesus is a friend. In John, Jesus talks in these long kind of sermon episodes, and he he gets to the, to the depth of what our Christian spirituality is about and also challenges us and gives us the basis for our Christian mission in the world. And so in this chapter, uh, the 15th chapter of John, he uses a lot of words about abiding, abiding so that we understand that God is in us and we are in God. And these metaphors that he uses help us to lean into that connection with God. This scripture this morning follows directly after the scripture we read last week. It's in the 15th chapter, picking up with verse 7 and going through verse 17. Listen now for the word of God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide, connect in that love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. So this love that Jesus is talking about here is both theological. It, it helps us to seek and understand God in a deeper, more profound way. But it is also virtuous. It helps to capture this excellent cap, uh, character of God, this God who is love by nature, that God is incapable of anything but love. And we, God's beautiful creation, uh, creatures, participate in this virtue, this character of love that God is, because of God's grace. We cannot and we'll never be able to do it on our own. So I, I want to talk about what it means when Jesus says he moves them from thinking about them calling him master and teacher to calling him friend. And so it's all wrapped up in this love understanding and friendship understanding. So I want to go back to Aristotle. Aristotle described a, a friend as another self. Aristotle was on the scene when Jesus walked the world. Another self, our own self. In friendships, we begin to take on the characteristic of the friends that we keep, both good and bad. By the time we're in elementary school, we're beginning to learn how to choose our friends, and we're learning the importance of good selection of our friends. And by high school, we have realized that we are known by the company we keep. Sometimes there's some lessons to be learned in that, isn't there? In fact, it's very likely that we continue to learn those lessons over and over and over again in our lives by the company we keep. Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century, who is a philosopher and a theologian and a Catholic priest, uh, picked up on this understanding of another self this understanding of friend. And, and he goes on to say that the goal of the Christian life is to, in part, be friends with God, to have God be that other self or God's self to be a part of us and to lean into being a friend with God, to understand that we keep company with God. The ideal of friendship with God is not just a New Testament idea, but it is also found in the Old Testament. The writers of Chronicles and Isaiah both point to Abraham and Moses, and they refer to them as friends of God. It is likely that Jesus was aware of this metaphor for God, and so he addresses his most inner circle, his beloved, those who he has called to be his friends. And through friendship, like Christ is with God, we hope to be known by the company that we keep. And that is that we take on the characteristics of Christ in our own lives. So I struggle sometimes with this notion of God as a friend simply because I grew up where God was that which was reverent and to be standing in a sense of awe. God is all of those things. So I wrestled a little bit this last week and thought about my own friends. And like we talked last week, metaphors are, are like onions and they're to be peeled back layer by layer. I began to peel back the layers of my friendships. And I found that I have formative and developmental friends. 
in my friendships. Now, formative friends, uh, those like you find in your childhood, they, are, they come out of a common experience in life. A lot of times they are, are affinity groups, people that we have something in common with. And so they begin to form and shape us. They also give us the eyes through which we interpret much of the world. And these are our formative friends. And then there's always that friend that we get that is, I call a developmental friend, that one that kind of pushes us and challenges us to become more of who God is calling us to be, pushes against those boundaries that we draw for ourselves. And they are invaluable for the way that we continue to develop as people so that we don't stay stagnant in our lives. In each of these friendships that I can identify in my own life, I find that there's a sense of intimacy with them, a place where I can feel vulnerable, where I can be the most transparent that I am, that is also kind of a reciprocal kind of nature in that fr friendship in that I also expect them to be vulnerable and transparent with me. It helps me uh, risk that sometimes I can be irrational and go off and, and I will do that without feeling a sense of judgment until I can once get my bearings and clear my mind and return to the rational world once again. I realize that I am kind of inconsistent with those friendships, that there are times when I'm faithful and I take a lot of time to to develop and nurture that friendship, and I'm in constant contact with them. We talk daily or at least weekly or monthly, and then there are times when I kind of fall off, when I don't reach out, when I let long periods of time lapse. There are times when I do all the listening and supporting, and there are times when they do all the listening and supporting though I'm certain that most of the time I am the recipient of the greater gift with most of my friendships. And then I began to think, how is that like what Jesus is challenging us here? How is my human friendships like that which Jesus wants us to have with him and with God? And then I realized that our friendships, our relationship with God holds all of these characteristics. Our experiences with God are both formational and developmental. God forms us and shapes us and loves us, and God challenges us and pushes against our envelope, our, our sides, our rough exteriors, and, and, and it challenges us to rethink and to remold and re-become something better. I realize that there are times in my life when I'm distant from God, when I don't reach out as much. There are times when I listen better and there are times when I do all of the talking. There are times when I am vulnerable and transparent with God and there are times when I am not so vulnerable and transparent. And yet, God is consistent. Even when I am inconsistent, when I am the imperfect friend of God, God is the perfect friend to me. God is always faithful, always there to be in my presence, seeking to be in my presence. Yet, I stray easily 
and I find myself distracted by my human friendships and human relationships and the human company that I keep from time to time. This week I listened to a uh, song that is written by Israel Houghton and it is entitled, I Am a Friend of God. I want to share with you a part of these words because I think they drill into the reality of this consistent, faithful God even when we are that imperfect friend. And vulnerably he says, Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me? It's amazing, truly amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God, and God calls me friend. So friend is this hard image for us sometimes, I think, with God. We have to get used to it. Like a lot of friendships, we have to give it time. We have to invest ourselves into it. We have to practice it. We have to put time into it. We have to um, lean into the metaphors that help us describe who God is. We have to lean into those metaphors in our lives and unpack them and think about God as more than king and savior and mysterious, though God is all of those things. We have to accept the fact that God wants us in a personal relationship with God with Jesus, wants us to be a friend. God wants to keep company with us. That's the good news. God wants to keep company with us. God wants us to keep company with Christ because when we keep company with our friends, we become more like them. So let us all keep company with Christ this week. You are a friend of God. You are a friend of God. You are a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. Christ calls us all friends. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>